You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 207, William Ryan on flipped learning. This is Rod Murray. Welcome back to my podcast. That was a little teaser from a song called As the Wind Blows by Kataro. If you listen to my podcast, you uh, might gather that I'm a fan of new age music. So I hope you enjoy that. I'll play the full song at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash Pulse Podcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rods Pods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. My episode today is an interview with William J. Ryan. He's the founder and CEO of Ryan Consulting, LLC. We discuss his process that allows learners to interact with instructors and peers to practice, apply, and synthesize content in the context of their mutual working experience. We discuss Dr. Ryan's background, the evolution of web conferencing tools. We did a little reminiscing about that. Uh, Impact of the pandemic on remote teaching and learning. The importance of core instructional design models creating time for online social interactions and ways to allow students to assimilate, practice, and give them time for reflection. We mentioned integrating Zoom with the LMS, simplifying and reducing your PowerPoint presentations. Don't use polls, just ask questions or use chat. And we talk about the upper limits of online class size and other issues around online learning and flipping the classroom. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Ryan. I'm here today with Dr. William Ryan. He's the founder and CEO of Ryan Consulting, and we're here to talk about some of his insights on on how to teach, especially using Zoom. So, Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how how you got involved with uh, all of this and USDLA? Uh, well, USDLA, you know, we try to practice what we preach, you know, if we're going to uh, learn and, and work and in a remote hybrid space, we should be at least talking with people that are doing the same thing. But for me, that's, it's always been, that's been a part of my career. I, I've been involved in distance education since the days of uh, when we had trucks that would roll up and, and computer-based training, um, you know, was very active in, in the use of video discs way back when. So, you know, for me, it's, it's been always, um, my background, you brought in the instructional design component along with the communications. So it's, it's blending the two has always been my interest. And, and for me, it's been just a, an evolution of process where the technology finally caught up to the hopes and the ideals that we would be able to have a way to access the, uh, the information we want, when we want it, uh, in the context of how we need it, uh, whenever we're seeking it. And now it's in our pocket, which is kind of cool to watch. It certainly is. Boy, that brings back memories with video discs. Uh, my first, my former institution, we developed uh, three or four uh, interactive video discs using the IBM Info Window system, if you remember that. I Well, I, uh, that's how who I work for. So, yeah. 
Yes, I'm, I'm convinced my back is still sore from lugging those things, but they were amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, for especially for the time, you know, the uh, the, the quality of the uh, touchscreen was 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 truly uh, inspiring, even to this day. That's right. Yeah, we we were lucky. We actually got a contract with the Navy. Uh, we sold them a, a product on infill window. But back to the present. So, I know um, you've uh, done some talks on on how to use Zoom. Um, and, you know, Zoom has certainly been a, an important part of our life ever since the pandemic, especially. And I feel so sorry for faculty that were just thrown into what we used to call, you know, emergency teaching on Zoom, because most of our faculty had never taught online before, let alone, uh, you know, using some of this kind of technology. So it was uh, quite a rough uh, couple of years. I still think uh, people are, are uh, Zoomed out, so to speak. So, um so how did you get involved in, in thinking and, and talking about that? And what, what are some of the things you've learned? Well, I've always taken it for granted. I mean, it, it, it sounds silly, but, it, you know, again, I have led um, remote teams. Uh, I've worked, you know, as an individual contributor on, on, on remote teams and, and been a mobile hybrid worker through my career. Um, and, and so this kind of world is, is more my normal than than the traditional in-person in-office experience that most people have had. So, you know, I've been using web conferencing tools for uh, well decades at this point in time. And, you know, prior uh, uh, corporations that I worked for, you know, I brought these tools into them um, and, and helped, you know, between video conferencing over the Internet um, and then bringing, you know, uh, WebEx into a company, a health insurance company I worked for, you know, in the, you know, geez, middle 2000s, uh, you know, two, five, five, six, you know, we were, we were bringing those tools in, um, you know, bringing LMSs to uh, an institution that I worked for in the late 1990s. You know, these are just parts of what I consider a normal way of, again, extending access uh, and solutions to people anytime, anywhere. So, um, you know, the thing about Zoom that kind of, I think it caught my my attention again, was, um, you know, I'm, I'm a dad of twins. And, and as a context, when I went into business for myself, uh, my twins were just about to turn 13. And, and, I, and one of the first tools I invested in was Zoom. It was a, a cost-effective solution to reach people anywhere, anytime, you know, Groups, whiteboards, small breakout sessions, all the tools for a very economical price. And I needed to teach myself how to use it. So I had my my twins, you know, with their various uh, devices in different parts of the house. And we taught each other. They let me, you know, facilitate and share and breakout rooms and all those things. And they thought it was great fun. And then fast forward to the pandemic when in 1920 and um, and they're high school seniors and and are sent home and and one's up on the second floor and one's taken over the dining room as they finish their high school career and all of a sudden i'm coming upstairs to get some coffee and i hear one of them telling their teacher how to use the markup actions on zoom <laughs> and i went oh yeah a lot of people don't know how to use this tool and and as I start talking and 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 asking more people, I'm I'm starting to realize, you know, what I take for granted in in my professional life and how I guide, you know, my clients is not the norm. And everybody just got thrown into this. So I started reaching out to uh, to offer help 
because, you know, for me, it's a design issue. The technology changes. I mean, you know, we talk about video discs and now we have Netflix, you know, it's still video on demand. It's just a different kind of demand, but you know, the basic core philosophy and design models are still solid and, and using tools like zoom, you know, it comes to me, it drives home the need for good sound instructional design standards, you know, how to break up, you know, and chunk up content, how to bring in assessments and, and redefine assessments, you know, from more of a, a, a cartridge that a publisher, you know, provides to go into an LMS to something that is more group-based and more authentically um, aligned to the, the, the technical skills and the, the behaviors that we want people to be able to model and demonstrate. You know, how do we break, use breakout rooms? Uh, how do we create time for social interaction? You know, it, it's a community of, of practice in a distance environment. And, and those are all design principles that I think, you know, people were, were just jumping because we could do it. And, and it was, we didn't really have a choice, but, you know, when we took a breath, let's stop and, 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 and where I came into the conversation with my USDA, USDLA, you know, friends and family there was to say, we should be out there saying, let's guide a little more and let's back up and think about how we design this. And that took me down the road of, of, of looking at, you know, when do we pull people together? Um, when, when do we allow people time to be by themselves? You know, so it's that flipped model and, and we're already in a hybrid space. So, you know, where are there activities so that we don't have people on, on, a, on a camera for eight hours on end? Cause nobody wants that on both sides of the camera. So, you know, where can we say, Hey, this is, this is content you can assimilate practice, reflect upon by yourself. And then here's an activity in a time when we should be together. So let's facilitate the conversation. You know, let's move from that old sage on the stage model to the guide on the side, but let's actively model it. Let's actively use it and let's design for it. And those are some of the things that, you know, when I, I brought this, this topic out, it's, it's the idea that, you know, there's an activity and an opportunity that can be used together to promote peer learning, to create connections and, and a sense of community where we can learn um, in the process uh, of being together. So in your experience, uh, what uh, are you always just talking about how to use Zoom as a tool or do you always have to bring in another tool, especially when you're dealing with some of these uh, asynchronous activities? Is it always in conjunction with an LMS or can some institutions uh, or your clients uh, do everything they need within Zoom? That's more of a yes and answer. Um, it depends. You know, there are opportunities where so many of the learning management systems uh, integrate Zoom as a as an integral component of its platform. Um, I have an LMS that I use in my business, and it has Zoom as as you know, click here and connect. And and to the end user, they don't know any different. They go one place and they're doing asynchronous content. They're discussion. They're in discussion groups. They're in a synchronous Zoom session. You know, but it's only one place they go to, so it certainly has has that flexibility. I, and there are other platforms and Zoom-like systems, you know, WebEx, you know, Blue Button, others that that fit into different LMS platforms too. But I think it really kind of depends on 
the need of the individual and the need of, of perhaps the organization. I had a, a small business client that was actually, they used Zoom and then they had uh, email. I mean, that's they sent information to the people via email and they had links to YouTubes that they were using. And for the assignments, um, they had uh, either uh, the people were uh, videotaping themselves using their phones and sending the files or a link to the file that they stored in their own, you know, iDrive or OneDrive or whatever Dropbox. Um, and that the instructor could then uh, review and provide feedback and remediation opportunities uh, if, if warranted. So, you know, it's, 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 it, again, we're back down to what is the design need? What is the objective? You know, what is, what do you want people to be able to demonstrate and to a, to a defined level of proficiency and what's the best way to do it with the resources you have. If you were to, uh, you know, in a nutshell, sort of, um, explain to a higher ed faculty member, um, how they should, uh, teach via zoom. What are some of the key issues would you cover in terms of, um, you know, how would they flip, uh, uh, how would they get away from the lecture mode and uh, and use some of, use it as a as a real learning tool one of the first things i would take and suggest is look at your presentation and take a third of it and just toss it you know honestly and truly I, I will tell uh, true story I, I mean i came from you know the, the days of you had to have a deck and you had to make a presentation and I spoke at people and I've been spoken at by other people. And that was our norm. And I had a conversation once uh, with a, with a, a colleague, uh, Dr. Uh, Ray Jimenez. And he looked at me and says, why don't you ask a question? And I was like, it was like that moment of going, well, duh, why don't I, you know, I, I, I talk about from a design perspective, peer to peer learning, you know, why am I not practicing what I, I believe in? And it really was. I, and I, I took my own medicine. I went through my next presentation. I threw out over a third of it. And I put questions there. And I started from the very beginning. I, I use no polls because polls I, I really found are useless. You know, no matter what, because you've already made your, your PowerPoints. You know, you already have your, your linear progression of content. It's there. You can't really change that much on the fly. But if you get a discussion going, you can weave the content you have and then react to the people that are also bringing additional information and insights into the presentation. And now instead of a one way, you have you have a, a shared conversation. You know, I mean, the, the 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 opportunity to, you know, have shared information. You know, I can I can I monitor the chats on my sessions and I'll you know, from from the very beginning, I, I ask questions nonstop. It's it's it, over a third of my time is is in question and answer or question mode and people providing answers. And I ask for, you know, somebody will say something and I'll go, Hey, Jim, James, Jane, Suze, tell me more, share with us. Do you have a link to that? Can you share it with everybody else? And at the end of it, I'm going, you know, I hope everybody, you know, reached out to people because we are a community of learners and I'm glad I was able to facilitate the conversation, but you know, this is, this is it. And so when I, when I work with subject matter experts, and I'm going to say, you know, on a broad spectrum, you know, their faculty fall into that, but in the corporate world, there is no different, by the way, 
you know, every every good subject matter expert is like a good higher ed faculty member. They are passionate about uh, their topic and everything about their topic is the most important thing to themselves. And of course, it must be the most important thing to every single person who interacts with them, especially the new person who has never even heard of the term before, but they must know everything. So, you know, there's a little commonality in that regard. And, and I'm saying that with, with a smile on my face, if you can't see me, because, you know, that's what we want our subject matter experts to have, that passion. But when I work with folks on this kind of a, a curricular a, a design conversation. It's to say, look, what are the things that people need time to think about? Let's put it over here. Let them, let them read, let them view, let them, let them have a chance to maybe simulate or experiment and then think about it and then have a conversation about it. What are the things that perhaps they, they really do need time to maybe have a peer to peer conversation and practice with each other. Let's build that in. And that's another experience that, you know, we don't need to be facilitated. We just need to set it up. You know, and then and then start chunking, you know, things out. And then the next thing is is always to start talking, and especially in the subject matter experts, I'll come back and say, you know, start telling me war stories of when things gone wrong, because that's how you build your your assessments. You build your you know more authentic type assessments from, you know, things that blew up, because those are great tests to have. You know, um, it occurs to me: uh, is there an upper limit to how many students you can handle in a sort of a Zoom classroom, what, what, uh, where are you comfortable in terms of how to handle, you, you say, you know, you're gonna ask, have people answer questions and, and share, but there must be an upper limit on, on, uh, on the utility of using Zoom that way. I think there's a difference between how many you can have in a class versus how many people can attend a session in Zoom. What I mean by that, I've done, presentations for a couple of different organizations where I've had people in the hundreds and I still have conversations and I still find ways to create connections. I still use the same presentation style that I was describing earlier. And I still have, you know, the chance to call out people, not as many because I mean, you know, one, you know, you get more people, you're going to get more replies, you know, hopefully. And, and from that perspective, um, I, 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 I'm not sure there's a top level. I, I think there's a point where, um, you can only read so many people's responses, you know, when they scroll by your eyes, uh, that's when you might ask for help, you know, from a producer, for example, but in terms of a class, I mean, I think that's a different discussion. If we're looking at the idea that we're going to spend an amount of time and we're going to dive deep into something and explore a topic and that we're going to need time to um, review assessments. We're going to have to provide feedback and, and thoughtful feedback and useful feedback. Um, then I, I do think there is a limit. And I would say that the limit in, you know, using Zoom or, or an online class is, is pretty much the same as you'd find in a face-to-face. -face. You know, I mean, I think if you go, you know, 20 to 30 people in a class, is is what I consider, you know, your 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 upper limits, and that's just from a point of of time, and the ability to to provide personalized instruction. Now, you know, I mean, as my my twins are now juniors in college, and and because COVID, you know, their their freshman year, they didn't have that opportunity to go into that five hundred person sociology or English or you know one hundred and one class that everybody has to go through. So they don't really know what that's like, but 
you know, people didn't get personalized instruction then, and they had lots of TAs. So, you know, I think I think there are common practices that we have found in face-to-face classes. You know, seminar sessions tend to do better than large, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. There's more engagement. You have an opportunity to create a connection. You can actually talk to a faculty member. You know, that's the best part of, I mean, I will say it's been interesting to watch, you know, and I only have a, a, a group of two, so my, my sample size is pretty small, but I mean, it's, and there are two different universities, um, but it's it's been interesting to hear them, you know, discuss the idea that they want classes that are hybrid, that allow, you know, the, re, the recording so they can do that on their own time, but they want the chance to go and actually meet and talk with a faculty member. Sure. They want that connection. And I think, you know, that comes back down to class size. So I would say, you know, no more than 30. Um, when I had been an, as an adjunct, that's usually been my upper limits. And I'm I, in, in an online world, you know, where you're, especially when you're looking at, at deeper, um, more authentic type assessments that I like uh, profess to, you know, and, and advise people to, to aim more for than just the plug-in cartridges, um, you know, you need time. And, and, you know, 15 to 20, I think, is a, is a good rate. But I think you'd find that in face-to-face, too. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's it would be difficult, especially with a professor that's uh, you know maybe not you know really adept at uh, at technology to be able to handle this for the first time online. I I, I did an interview with the president of uh, a university, and um, they had the uh, idea to pair faculty with uh, with a student, uh, like a teaching assistant who would handle you know keeping track of the questions and and uh, making sure that the that the instructor is able to uh, answer people that have raised their hands and so forth um, you know speaking of large classes gosh gosh my my daughter uh, her introductory bio class at nyu was 800 students in a large classroom she never sat next to the same person twice <laughs> so that was not a good experience and uh you know a lot of people complain about um you know, going to the flipped uh, environment, and uh, you see a lot of stories these days about how the, uh, probably more in high school, about how the uh, uh, performance on testing has just plummeted uh, over the past couple of years because of COVID. And I don't know, my, 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 I've always assumed that if you have a well-designed online program, you know, uh, even it's all asynchronous, uh, you can do just as well as face-to-face. But I think uh, a lot of that decline is probably because they weren't designed well and, and the faculty weren't as experienced as they could have been. Well, and it's funny. I mean, uh, the, the, my dissertation, it was the bottom line is no significant, no significant difference. I mean, that's, I mean, I won't, I won't go in. You don't need any, you know, you don't need problems sleeping. You don't need to read my dissertation, but um, it's a good one because it'll put you right out. Um, but, but it was, it was about, and, and, and what we found out, you know, is, is, is I'm watching it, you know, decades later, it's all about good design, you know, bad design in a classroom, you know, you can get away with, you know, I mean, um, one of my children had a, had a chemistry class freshman year and, and with a chemistry teacher who came out and just said, I don't like Zoom. I don't like online. I don't like this, and 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 wasn't happy. Um, but you know, was able to find a TA that was able to get online and help and 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 go through it. And and but you know, if 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 it's not 
I mean, it's a mindset. Absolutely. It's, it is resources. Uh, I worked with a nonprofit in the very, very beginning of this that, that jumped into Zoom to, to reach out to its community that it served. But the, 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 uh, the, 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 the key people were not technology people. And that was, you know, they were, they were and, but I, I looked and said, you know, look around you, who's, who's there, who's ever, and, 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 you know, coincidentally, there was somebody who had actually used Zoom in their college career and they were fresh out of college and they said, oh, I can do this. That's that kid's job now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it was amazing because they have expanded their services and they've actually grown their clientele over the last two and a half years because they have, they've kept this, they have, they have extended their outreach because of the technology and because they found people to help facilitate and support the people. Now, you know, in that nonprofit example, that was great. But, you know, one thing I think about the flip model that, that people get frustrated about is um, it involves a four-letter word that sometimes um, in the instructional process, people don't like to uh, use. And, and that is they have to plan ahead of time. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, we, we, we referred to flipping uh, the classroom using Zoom. But just to bring everybody in, into, uh, um, you know, a similar uh, understanding of what that means, how would you define, uh, you know, a flipped classroom using Zoom? What, what goes into that? You know, I, I think the issue of flipped learning, because it is a design, it's a design methodology, it's a framework to be used. And the key to it is that, you know, for me, it makes the learning the focus. And, and not the teaching. And when I think about, you know, the teaching, it's, it's more the learning of, of collaboration, of community, of connectedness, of peer-to-peer. And it promotes that kind of collaboration done as, a design, as an intentional design factor that you have to actually come into the idea of saying, when am I going to bring people together? When will I have certain small groups work together on their own? And what is the point in the instructional process that I want them to solve together? in that, that they have to do a little digging on their own. So, you know, a, a pro or a con, depending on how you want to look at it, is that in flip learning, it does put a lot of accountability onto the, into the, the lap of the uh, student, of the learner. And, and, but in a good design, it puts that accountability squarely and says, hey, here's the problem. Here's the criteria of success. Here's the people you're going to work with. Here's when it's due. Go. And, 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 then, come, and then we come back together and figure that out. So it has a level of, of encouragement, I believe, in, in independent and active learning. Um, I like to think of it, you know, make, we're making curious learners. And, and you know, we have, you know, here's a problem, go solve it, fix figure it out. You'll, you'll learn along the way, we're just not going to let you know that. And, 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 and that is just that, I mean, that's a good, solid, you know, instructional design model. I mean, that, you know, Look at anyone's any of the models you want to look at. At some point level, there is that kind of active learning model, that curiosity, you know, finding the references, figuring it out, trying it, practicing it until you have a solution and then being able to replicate it. So and then the last component I look at it from a flipped learning perspective is that, you know, there's a flexibility involved in this. And I think one of the things that we're hearing workers and students saying again my sample size is a little little low but i mean the desire for flexibility is key flexibility of when i want to have the time to focus 
when I have the time to focus, um, when I, and then having time to connect with others, you know, I'm, I, I'm sometimes it's the small groups. When can the small groups get together? Well, for some of these students, they, you know, I, I, one of my, one of my twins tells me that their her project, one of her project teams in her classes that she has this term, they get together at like 10 o'clock at night on Tuesday nights, because that's their project time. Okay. Works for you. And, and I think that's one of those things is that, you know, when you all do come together for that synchronous Zoom class, is that now you have a, a purpose. There's a, there's a time we're having a reason to come together, whether we're having the chance to interact with each other to share our solutions, whether we're going to use breakout rooms to do small group problem solving in there. Um, you know, it's, it's we're going to have connection. We're going to have conversation. And that, again, promotes that independent, but it also promotes that kind of um, active learning model that we want people to, you know, we talk about it, but, you know, this, is, this has to be intentional in its application. Right, right. Now, if, you know, a lot of schools, like secondary schools, and even in, in, in college, is, uh, they're, they often have the model that, you know, you've got a three-credit course, you're going you're gonna to meet three times a week uh, for an hour, and it's going to be on Zoom. And um, if you are guiding them, um, I'm sure you're not, you're, <laughs> if, if, you, if they'd had no guidance, they would likely lecture for 45 minutes and have a, you know, 15-minute 10 or 15 minute question period at the end. So um, I know there are many different models uh, and how you would plan that, but can you give me sort of an idealized uh, sort of uh, schedule of what would happen in that hour? I think one of the things I would bring first off is, is you know, ask everybody, what stumped you last week? First question. Hi, everybody. How you doing? What stumped you last week? What just stopped you dead in your tracks? Ask them. I'm sure they'll tell you. And then the next thing is like, all right, everybody, you know, what was the one aha from last week? What's the one thing that you went, huh, I didn't know that, or I didn't think that was possible. And, and then, you know, let them talk. And then the next thing is, is if, you know, for the next class, what's the one thing I could do to help you get ready for it? And or, you know, the, the converse is true, you know, all right, what's the one thing I should be helping you understand? What's the one thing that, that I missed sharing with you that you that, that you'd like to know more about that'll help you for next week? You know, at that point in time, I think you've got 45 minutes of discussion right there. If the uh, if the students are uh, not shy, you know, <laughs> some some of the students in the back of the room, I, I, I've heard uh, you know, sometimes uh, if you can offer them a way to respond without speaking or, or you know, maybe just raising their hand or somehow how responding in a, in a different fashion, it might draw out some of these more shy students. Well, I, and, 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 and to that point, and I've had those conversations and there's two components to that. First of all, I'm an active chatter. You don't have to tell me, chat it. I'll read it, you know, I'll read it and then I'll ask questions and then you can keep chatting with me. And, and that I find brings a lot of people into, into this. I don't have to be on. Um, but the other thing is, is like, I, I, when I, when I have, when I hear somebody talk about that, I go, well, you know, let's be honest. If you're the leader of this class, what is the culture that you are developing? How open are you? You know, you, we, we talk about psychological safety. How do you respond to people? 
you know, you set the tone from every day, you know, I mean, the one, the one lesson that, that was taught to me when I was, you know, a, a new dad terrified, you know, with two in my arms was, was, which I didn't know what to do. And a two. And, and one of these said, he's like, Hey, is it a big deal? If it's not, then don't make it a big deal. Because if it's, a, if you don't, if it's not a big deal, they won't think it's a big deal either. And I went, you know, and I, I learned that it was like, you know, the first time one of them fell down and, and scraped their knee. And I, I, I don't know what prompted me. I, I did the, you know, umpire at baseball, you know, I made the, the, the arms outreach safe. And they looked at me and I went, Oh, okay. And they, got <laughs> up and they went and started playing. And I went inside and got a bandaid. <laughs> in the meantime, I'm going, Oh my God, she's, she's bleeding, you know, in my head. But, but, you know, I mean, it, it, so what, what's the environment we're creating? And I think that's one of the things about, you know, this kind of a flip model is that it is an intentional design. We are creating a space for people to share. We are creating a space that on purpose, we want them to be curious. We want them to take time to think about stuff on their own and then come back. So, you know, this is this is definitely a two-way process. So I think it's incumbent upon us to create that space where when we ask, you know, we follow up with more questions. And we say thank you at the end because it does take, you know, it's scary. Right, to, take some cuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they become vulnerable. Yeah, Absolutely, you know, I mean, one of the things I've, I've found in my presentations, I've gotten feedback on this, which has always kind of surprised me is, is, you know, people say thank you for, you know, reading what I wrote and, and, and responding to it. And I'm going, well, you know, why wouldn't I? You you stepped up, you volunteered, you put yourself out there. You know, I'm, I'm grateful you did that. Thank you. So, you know, I, 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 I'll say the same thing to, to, to faculty is, you know, we have a chance, I think, to really be intentional in how we engage our students. And with, with the, the, the enrollment rates dropping yet again, you know, at this point, I, I, I want to build every opportunity to create student success. You know, I want I want them to to have an experience that that they can build on and grow on and and complete not only a course, but a program and and, a, and an academic journey that leads them, you know, successfully forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Um, we're almost getting near the end of our time. And I'm just wondering, um, I'd like to give you a little opportunity to um, tell my listeners out there um what you do as a, as a consultant and um, how they can get in touch with you and, uh, and anything else you would like to, to say. It was very kind of you. Um, I work with organizations uh, to help them, you know, develop, engage and retain their workforce using learning strategically. Um, I, I draw upon my experiences as a as a former chief learning officer, but also from the perspective of, of working as as an instructional designer uh, of years of years of experience in that regard, to look at ways that we can help people uh, and support their performance. Um, I work with companies, you know, developing learning plans and and strategies and and helping them, you know, support the performance of their workers, especially at a distance. And and uh, you know, I, I can I'd love to connect with people on LinkedIn. And uh, my website is, is um, williamjryan.com, all one word, williamjryan.com. And, and uh, I'm sure I, I will, you'll have my email at the end. It's bill at williamjryan.com. Will do. Well, Bill, thank you so much for talking to me today. I think it was an enlightening discussion. And uh, I, hope, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. 
Obviously, it's something uh, I, I care deeply about. So thanks, Rodney, for letting me sit there and, and have a chance to think about this and, and uh, have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. So that's it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to stay tuned for the full song As the Wind Blows by Kataro. So until next time, have a great week.
That's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company. Yeah.